With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to the Oslo.com NFL Strategy Show. I've got to say, that is a good intro, because when that drops, you know shit's about to go down. What's going on? I'm Dave Lochran, at uh, Lafay underscore D on Twitter. With me, Adam Share at ShipMyMoneyDFS on the Twitters. Not with us today, but with us in spirit. And by in spirit, I mean producing the show and working the screen share is Josh Engelman. I'm going to throw his, his, his handle out there because I like him. At Josh Engelman. Follow him if you're not doing so already. Producing the show, handling all of that. He was away all week, didn't play NFL. So he would have been, in essence, useless to us today. But it was his idea to take off the show. He hates hearing that. I, don't worry, I got you, man. I, look, I might bust some balls around here, but I, I wouldn't. I even, Adam, I even told Josh yesterday, and it took a lot took a lot out of me to say this. I told him that on that first hour of the four-hour show, I say, we got about 250 likes. Maybe you are the king of likes because we'd probably have like six, 700 right now. The man just badgers people and it works. Yeah, yeah. He's, he's really good at that one specific, very <laughs> weird thing. <laughs> How'd your week go? How you doing, man? Uh, pretty good. Um, tournaments, you know, kind of went shitty as usual but did really well in cash games so um came out ahead happy with, with how it went um how'd you do and on a third on a 13 game slate on any slate it is so difficult to, to these tournaments man i mean the, the the difficulty level is is absurd and i think probably worth for a minute you just talking about what made you make a a transition and i guess i kind of alluded to it to playing more cash than you were before because i know you've been pretty smart about catering your game to what works from from three max and stuff to mme where you were having a lot of success then back to some three max stuff and single entry and and then playing a ton more cash games what is it that helps you guide the decision making and what right now has you playing a lot more cash and you know still tournaments but less tournaments than usual yeah, I think it's a combination of things. Um, one of them just kind of being actually sitting and thinking through my goals. It's something that I talked about a bit in um, one of our we, uh, NBA content piece that'll be posted shortly on the site. But like actually catering contests that you're playing to what your goals are. And when I started out, I was always a tournament player because that's the quickest way to build up a bankroll. That's the quickest way to you know have some substantial money. But I kind of thought about it more and it was like I got to a point where I have enough money. Um, to you know, be comfortable. I have a bankroll. I have all that. Why am I still playing these massive, massive variance things where um, taking on a bunch of downside risk, whereas I can just like grind out money and I can I have like I have a big enough bankroll. I can get money in play 
enough money in play where I'm making substantial money by playing, you know, cash games and kind of grinding it out and, and trying to make more consistent profit as opposed to, you know, having three days a year where I make a ton of money and then, you know, losing every other day, basically. Um, so it, it was kind of just a personal preference thing, uh, just kind of trying to align more with what my goals are going forward. Um, I think that cash games are, they're, they're obviously tougher now than they used to be, but I still think that especially at um, non, you know, high stakes, they're, they're still beatable. So uh, that's there too. And then, you know, the smaller field tournaments, just there's, there's less variance again. So a lot of it was just personal preference, wanting to win more often and uh, for a variety of reasons. We're happy to have you guys with us. Hit that thumbs up if you're just joining us. And hey, if you like what we do here, you think along the way we've helped you out, hit that subscribe button. Maybe uh, we've changed your thought process on the way you view DFS. Maybe Josh or Adam or Alex or one of these guys has helped you win some money along the way. And you like what we do. You could hate us too, but if you like our work, you just click subscribe. And if you hate it down the road, well, just unsubscribe. But for now, help us get to that 50K mark. We'll show up more in your browse feature on the recommended feed, and you'll always know when we're live. Even if you don't hit the the notification bell, if you go on the home screen or the homepage, you'll see that red dot uh, to the left whenever we're live, which is all the time. So uh, many ways to check out the shows and hopefully uh, join us as a subscriber and part of the Awesome O family. So, Adam, let's jump into this. We're going to hit on the the Millie Maker. We can maybe go to the slant if we have time as well. But – the, the winning lineup and Josh is going to um, I, I don't have I don't have the same capacity as Josh does with fantasy country, it, you know, knowing how to do all the crazy nonsense with it. I'm pretty basic. Uh, I'm a layman when it comes to this. But the winner was 40 Fortner. And did you see that for the second straight week, Derek Carr and David Montgomery were in the in the winning Millie Maker lineup? Yeah, I hadn't thought of it. Like it, it didn't dawn on me. But yeah, pretty crazy. Uh, two. So, so, is it the last three weeks we have David Carr, Baker Mayfield, and David Carr, or Derek? Derek Carr. Carr Derek um, Carr. Yeah. Um. It might be. And two weeks it's been Derek Henry because he was in this one. Right. Yeah. So you know, pretty crazy. I know, like Drew Locke and Mitch Trubisky gave you a chance yesterday too. So, uh, pretty. Yet yesterday's outcomes kind of reminded me of how tournaments were a couple of years ago. And it's, it was a talking, it was a big talking point for us at the beginning of this year when you kept having like Russell Wilson, Patrick Mahomes, Kyler Murray, these guys just putting up such monster games that you couldn't really get there with the cheap quarterbacks. Now it's kind of seems like it's back to normal where you're seeing some value quarterbacks come through because they score enough points that being able to roster good players elsewhere helps out. No question. And I've got to bring this up. This is something now that we've seen twice in the last three weeks, Adam, and it's really remarkable. And I'm not even kidding. When it comes to large field tournaments, it's legitimately making me think about how I want to build lineups into next season. Another game where running back wide receiver, no quarterback, no run back, or I'm sorry, Tyler Eifert, but that's hardly considered Um, (laughs) no running back, or sorry, no quarterback, but you had Derrick Henry, you had A.J. Brown from the same team. They combined for, what, 67 points or so? That is remarkable that we saw it with Dalvin Cook, Adam Thielen just a couple weeks back, and then we saw it with uh, Derrick Henry and A.J. Brown this week. I don't know last week if we saw some of that as well. I feel like we may have, but this is becoming a trend or at least a short-term trend that maybe it deserves us paying a little bit more attention to it. And I, I noticed um, some good players also were doing it with Kansas City yesterday, playing both of Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey and then using a cheaper quarterback than Mahomes. I, I think that it's kind of just one of those things where it's not, and it goes back to the conversations we've had before on correlation, having a team that 
has some negative correlation, it doesn't mean your lineup's going to do poorly. It doesn't change a whole lot. It's just a matter of, you know, if you are going to build a million lineups over the course of NFL seasons, it's just a slight difference in terms of your, you know, expected value. So it's not something that it's not like shocking when it ends up working out. It's just that as far as like for me building my lineups, I'm going to just not do it in most situations. Um, And even looking at this lineup, like it, it, this lineup one, but like if you make AJ Brown, Tyreek Hill, for example, just because that's the first guy that I thought of, um, it doesn't really change anything. Like you, you still, I mean, I guess the, the price point's different, but the, the point being like there's enough wide receivers that score well. Like you didn't have to, to have this. He also has the Montgomery and, and Robinson pairing. That's the crate, um, but yeah, come on. Yeah. He has two, two in the same lineup, two yeah, pairs in I the mean, same lineup with no quarterback. Yeah, and also these these were two teams that were expected to score a lot of points. Not not so much the Bears, according to the Vegas total. I personally thought they were going to do well uh, because Houston can't defend. But the Tennessee game had one of the highest totals on the slate, so it, it's you understand how they got there. And I don't think it's like a huge knock. Like it's it's I think kind of more of a personal preference thing. Like if you're willing to take on a little bit of negative correlation in order to get access to teams like that you know then fine for me personally i think i can build good enough lineups without doing that that um i'm gonna keep doing so and i don't think it really limits my chances of winning i agree with you but i i keep coming to one conclusion or at least this this train of thought that keeps hitting me right and and you can respond you can give me your opinion on this i feel like there are begin not not a lot of teams but there are a handful of teams out there adam where there are two or three players that are really getting the large majority. Like it is the offense is so concentrated between a few players. Minnesota is a pretty good example, right? Um, I think to be fair, another good example is Tennessee. Yes. Corey Davis is one of them, but Corey Davis, AJ Brown, Derek Henry, boom, especially when you have Janu Smith out and I, whatever, he's fine, but the guy's in, he's blocking most of the time. Anyway, um, I could go over a, a bunch of teams that have a similar setup. If that's the case, and then it's not unreasonable to think from week to week that you could see a lot of those Derrick Henry 30-point games, uh, A.J. Brown 25-point games, Adam Thielen 25-point game, Dalvin Cook 25-point game, just based on the way things play out. Hey, if we're going to throw, it's going to go to this guy. If we're going to throw in the red zone, it's likely going to go to him. But when we're not throwing, it's almost certainly going to him. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. And I, I think it's it is important to think, you know, kind of going into every slate too, to just go through and say, you know, okay, these are my normal rules, but are there places that I want to make exceptions? Like I know one spot we had talked about it previously was the week that Jamal Williams was like the number one point per dollar running back and Devontae Adams was the number one point per dollar receiver that you could just easily play them both together. Um, using the Kansas City example, that's a spot that I thought made sense because Tyreek Hill is one of the highest upside receivers. Travis, Kel- Travis Kelsey was the best tight end, and there's no reason they can't both have a big game. And then you don't need Mahomes with them because he was the most expensive quarterback on the slate. So like a situation like that, I think made sense. And to your point, um, yeah, if you can kind of pinpoint exactly where production is going to come from in an offense it does at least lower the risk of you just kind of being wrong on how that team gets their points so um i I, if i were to go that route i would look more towards teams like that i think for me it's more when i make that decision on on which teams i'm going to do it with the biggest thing for me ends up being pricing like do i think that a receiver and a running back from the same team are both like top five plays at their position in which case i'm more likely to just use them both sure 
This guy put 44 into the winner in the Millie Maker, played three Derrick Henry lineups out of his four lineups and three AJ Brown. So um, that's uh, things are, I, I don't even know what to make of this. Like, let, let's take a look at, let's take a look at the second place lineup from M Benson, 200 K profit for him. He played one lineup. So before we even get into any more of this, uh, 40 Fortner that one had four lineups. Second place had one lineup, single entry. Third place had three. Fourth place had one. Fifth place had six. Six heads, 37, then seven and one and 10. So of the top 10, one of them had more than 10 entries and eight of them had seven or fewer, Adam. That's, that's insane. Yeah. Uh, the first 150 maxer came in 10th. Okay. Yeah. Forsaken. Okay. Did I say top 10? Maybe I meant the top. It would have been the top nine. Okay. Oh, I don't know. I, was, I wasn't correcting you because that would imply that I was listening to what you had said. <laughs> that's a funny guy. <laughs> funny guy. I don't know why we even pay you. Uh, <laughs> what What do you think, though, about the 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 notion that M. Benson comes in here? Uh, the ownership, cumulative ownership here was 107.7, which isn't anything wild. But also, Derek Carr. I, Derek Carr, for the second straight week, sub 1% ownership. David Montgomery, again. Derek Henry, again. Chad Hansen, Curtis Samuel, T.Y. Hilton, which that's a story for another day. I the guy is dead, and now three weeks in a row, he's just crushing. Travis Kelsey, Nelson Aguilar, Cowboys defense. Really similar lineup to what we saw the winner uh, throw in there outside of, like, Chad Henson and Curtis Samuel type of plays and T.Y. Hilton. Yeah, uh, I think it's, you know, a pretty solid lineup. You had the uh, Raiders stack with the Indianapolis runback. Um, Hanson was a, a reasonable value play. You got – a little bit more correlation with Hanson and, and David Montgomery in the same game. Samuel, I think was a fine value um, paying up for Kelsey was, I think um, a good idea yesterday. Uh, you obviously um, there, there was a pretty good chance that Kelsey was going to just like break the slate at the tight end position. It, it didn't really work out because Mike just had such a big game and, and, you know, was relatively close to Kelsey, but uh, yeah, I think this is a, a really solid lineup. All right. So we always each week take a look at, all right, the, the boom or bust. It's a, it's a relatively short show here, but it's fun to see what went right and what went wrong. We do the value report, the bust report, the chalk report. Ownership-wise, Derrick Henry was the highest-owned player. Now, I did, did you anticipate that being the case? Did you think he would be the highest-owned player on the slate at 8,700? Um, and I guess the fact that Dalvin Cook was in a tough matchup was going to funnel more ownership to, to Henry. But still, the highest-owned in the Millie Maker, north of 26%. I thought he would be up there. I didn't think he'd be the highest owned. The reason being that there were a lot of good point per dollar values at running back yesterday, not to say that they were great plays that, you know, their range of outcomes was super appealing, but there was just a lot of guys that were going to show up in optimals. So I thought that Henry would be one of the highest owned. I didn't think that he would actually end up being first. Outside of Derrick Henry, you had Devonte Adams, 25%. He just continued every single week. Like it just doesn't even matter at this with the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? 
No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. At this point, uh, Aaron Jones, colossal disappointment again. And I don't know, Adam, he was 24%. At this point, we have to accept that Aaron Jones is strictly a boomer bust option. And I'm not really sure we can continue to pay almost $8,000 for him uh, going forward. I, I just don't see it. He had as many carries as Jamal Williams this week. Yeah, I was really surprised by his ownership. Um, it, it came in higher than we had projected. We even had him projected at 16%, which is relatively high. Yeah, it, it, I didn't think he'd come close to 25% at that salary. Yeah, it seemed like a really weird week to be getting to Aaron Jones when you had so many other running back options and you had Devontae Adams to, to pay for. I think it is interesting that uh, looking at the exposures of a few um, you know, good max entry players, uh, Alex, the highest out of the group I'm looking at, at 4.7%. Wow. 4.7% Aaron Jones. Yep. And no one else really had much at all, and he didn't have much at all either. Yeah, out of the group I'm looking at, which is uh, Alex, two others, and myself, it's Alex at 4.7, then 4, then 2, then 0. Wow. So 25 that's, – that's such a bizarre number to look at for Aaron Jones, third highest. Him and Devontae Adams were two – well, there's – by the way, there's another team. There's another team we talk about, the A.J. Brown and, and, uh, and the Derrick Henry, Dalvin Cook, Adam Thielen – like if a, if a tour, if someone did take down a tournament with Devontae Adams and, and Aaron Jones, it wouldn't shock me. But given the way Jamal Williams is getting worked in all season long, now it would surprise me. And I'm just not interested. The fact that those are the two second and third highest owned players on the entire slate in a large field contest like the Millie Maker is pretty wild. And then you had David Montgomery, 23% ownership on Montgomery. He came through again, Adam, and even at with a $1,000 increase off of last week, he's in the first and second. I haven't even looked down the list, but the first and second place finishers in the Millie Maker both had David Montgomery. Um, it's, it's, I guess he's good now. Are we saying he's good now? No. Um, uh, so I, I added the Chipotle brothers in, and neither of them have more than 4.7% Aaron Jones either. So uh, pretty clearly, it seems like the max entry guys took a, a stand against Aaron Jones. As far as Montgomery goes, you know, yeah, he was just, he was a good play. He's facing Houston. Um, Houston's defense is atrocious. Montgomery's getting pass game work without Cohen. Like it, it all made sense. Of course, he ran for 80, an 80 yard touchdown on his first carry of the game, which sort of ensured that he was going to get there. Um, not, not much of a sweat on that one, but uh, yeah, it's kind of just, I, I think as his price tag goes up, he's someone that will be pretty easy to get away from because he's still not on a particularly good offense. He's still not particularly efficient, but um, he, he does, you know, get opportunities obviously, which is all you can really ask for. You had JD McKissick rounding out the top five in ownership. He was at 20% followed by Keenan Allen, Corey Davis, Seahawks defense, Brashad Perriman, uh, Aaron Rodgers, and then the Cowboys defense. You know, one guy that I had was well over the field on was Gio Bernard, Adam. And it just so happened that they just, Jack Taylor decided not to play him. Like despite playing him and every week comes into a matchup against the, the, the Dallas Cowboys and just hardly plays him at all. And at that point, you know, I just threw my hands up in the air after only after like 20 minutes, 30 minutes into the, into the slate, I'm looking at this, thinking, what is it, Trayvon Williams is out there getting all the work while Gio watches from the bench, despite the fact that when Joe Mixon was healthy, Gio Bernard got more work than we wanted him to. Uh, that, those, are, those are the type of frustrating things. If, if Gio Bernard was just terrible, then I'd, be, then I'd be like, okay, you know what? Bad pick. Gio Bernard sucks. But it, it's a lot more frustrating when they don't even get the opportunity 
against a team like Dallas, whether the game script is favorable, neutral, or negative. Yeah, I was with you. I rostered a, a lot of Bernard as well. He just seemed like a really easy pivot to the guys in that price range that we're getting a lot. Um, like McKissick, yeah. Yeah, um, yeah. I mean, I rostered McKissick too. But too. Um, yeah, but um, yeah, Bernard fumbled early in the game and then just never came back. And uh, it was funny because I think it was Mike Clay uh, tweeted that it was like Bernard's first fumble in like his last 800 carries or something. So a really weird guy for the coaching staff to just be like, oh, you fumbled. You're, you're not allowed to play anymore. But that's apparently how it worked out. And, and it's frustrating because Cincinnati's run game actually was was decent. So, um, these, you know, pretty good chance that we would have gotten a, a good game out of Bernard. Yeah, because Dallas run defense is terrible. Right. So things like that happen. It's frustrating. Um, what were some of your highest exposures yesterday, just looking at it and, and how many of them played out in tournaments? Uh, yeah, so I ended up being really high on the Green Bay game. Um, partially, I, I played a little bit chalkier yesterday than I intended. I played a lot of my, like, top – I kind of leaned toward top projected lineups, so I'm not entirely intentionally. But um, I, I had, like, 69% Devontae Adams. I had 37% Aaron Rodgers. That led to running it back with a lot of Marvin Jones, which didn't work out. Um, had a lot of McKissick, Perryman, Washington, Duke, Hawkinson. Ronald Jones, I think, was an interesting one. Um, so, yeah, I mean, kind of mixed results – for me at the top end um, green Bay being my highest stack obviously went well, but then a lot of the, the filler pieces didn't. Leah says Lafayette is a Wentz truther. Well, apparently you don't watch my shows. <laughs> if by truther, you mean I've been calling for the Eagles to bench him since like week seven, then yes, I am a truther. And yeah, I was ahead I was of the say, that, That's the exact opposite of what your stance has been all season. Yeah. <laughs> I the furthest thing. Was I was I pro Wentz in 2017 and even 2018? Yeah, of course. Everybody was because he was really good and he would have won the MVP had he not got hurt. I wanted us to lose yesterday. I wanted us to lose. But, so did I. But I'm serious, though. Why would I – like, first of all, was I happy to see Jalen Hurts run for over 100 yards? Uh, was I happy to see them finally figure out a competent game plan? See, Leah just set me off, but this is actually relevant. <laughs> this is relevant. So finally I can justify my rants. Um, Doug Peterson decided that he'd finally simplify the playbook once he benched Wentz. And for that reason, I feel bad for Wentz because he treated Wentz like he was Aaron Rodgers, right? Like he was prime Tom Brady, Peyton Manning. When everyone else knew that he wasn't asking him to do everything where he wasn't capable of doing it. You can blame some of it on the offensive line. You can blame some of it on the pass catchers, but a lot of it goes to Wentz and a lot of it goes to Doug Peterson. Now you put Jalen Hurts in and you clearly see Doug's like, well, this guy must not be very good. Adam, they run a ton of screens. They run a ton of design runs. Um, a lot of options that let him get the ball out of his hand early or just pick up the, the few yards that he needed and take what he could get. Now he was smart with the football, threw it away when he needed to, avoided bad sacks. And uh, they ended up running for a ton of yards on a Saints team that is second best in run defense on the season. But what do you make of Jalen Hurts coming off of that game where they beat a very, very good Saints team? Yeah, I think that, you know, especially from a DFS standpoint, he's – going to be useful and he's someone that I talked about with Greg a lot yesterday I ended up not rostering him because he ended up not really being necessary in, in builds but he was only you know 5100 and if he stays cheap getting a quarterback with that kind of rushing ability and that kind of, of 
um, like like design rushing ability. Like you know it's going to be there. It gives you a high floor. It gives you a high ceiling. It, it lets you be creative in your the rest of your lineup because you don't necessarily have to ha- you know heavily stack with him because he's going to do a lot of the work with his legs. It's going to open the door, I think, for a lot of um, utility on future slates potentially. Um, you know maybe he gets he'll probably get more attention paid to him now uh, that we've seen him play a game and, and do well, but definitely someone that I'm looking to in these last few weeks of the DFS season as, as probably a useful player just because of the rushing ability. For sure. Now, Josh, you just pulled it up. Uh, what was his ownership on the Millie maker? Jalen hurts. 2.7%. Like what was he? 2.7. 2.7%. Okay. And he finished with, what did he? How many fantasy points did he finish with? Twenty three point two eight at fifty one hundred. Yeah. So, uh, Adam, I, I listen. I always listen to like the last twenty or so minutes of your show leading into the to the the ten o'clock deeper dive of the four o'clock hour we do or four o'clock marathon we do, and I I had heard you talking about uh, Jalen Hurts and and essentially saying which I think is the only right opinion. And Greg Ehrenberg said the same thing in the live before lock. We, if you, if you think he's going to do well, you probably just want him to do well because nobody really knows. And if you think he's going to do terribly, you just want him to play poorly and, and you have a hunch, but no one really knows. And I think both you and Greg made similar points in that we have no, we don't know nothing of anything about him. What we do know is that he was 5,100 and that he had, he can use his legs to make plays and if you are running a mobile quarterback that can use his legs to make plays at 5,100, we at least need to bring you into the conversation at projected one or 2% ownership. Yeah, exactly. And like I said, I, I personally didn't end up using him yesterday because I just went, you know, different routes w- with my lineups, but I, I didn't think there was any question that at that price tag and that ownership, he should at least be someone that, that you're thinking about because uh, like uncertainty in tournaments is, is, good and also the the like the one thing you were certain about with Hertz is that he's going to run so even if he has a bad game he's probably getting you like six or seven points just from his running alone um that that's something that you know I think as as a kind of a broader point it goes back to you know looking for rushing quarterbacks and there haven't really been many cheap quarterbacks that run this year the, the only guys that run are kind of at the top with like Kyler Murray and to a lesser extent Josh Allen for example but getting that that really cheap quarterback um, in in Hertz, like he was someone that I actually played around with in cash builds because of the rushing ability. I ended up just paying up a quarterback because there was no reason not to. But um, thinking about the skill set there, I, I thought was kind of the most important thing, more so than what you think of Jalen Hurts as a quarterback. You were right. The only thing that sucks about that is you're almost always gonna gonna have to run this guy naked at this point. I mean, there's. I think like yeah, like that or or you, like using Goddard, I think would have made sense. Would have been because, fine, yeah. Yeah, like the tight end position was so weak. Like, why not Goddard? Yeah, that's cool. It's a good point, and I'm glad. Yeah, there's a few spots where I didn't know what to do with tight end, so I just like when I was doing some of these three or five max where I just threw in the one with my quarterback, even if he wasn't good. Right. Um, like for example, in some Seahawks stacks why not just go out there and and run out Will Disley, which is what I did. He was cheap. He finished with 10 at 2,900. That was fine. You know, nothing wrong with that. It just sucks that, uh, that was it Hollister scored that touchdown on his only target of the game? Maybe I don't know. I know they had a lot of random touchdowns because I was sweating my Wilson, Lockett, Metcalf stacks in best ball, and I know the touchdowns were not going to Metcalf and Lockett. Yeah, I don't know who it was. I just know that it wasn't the guy that I wanted. Oh, no, you know who it was? I'm sorry. 
It wasn't a tight end. It was Freddie Swain. Okay. But, so I think David Moore had one too. Yeah. Which sucks. Cause I had a lot of, I always hate when this happens. I had a lot of Wilson to Metcalf or Wilson to Lockett stacks. And I felt, and I had some Will Disley who was fine, but I felt really good about that, especially given I thought they should have been even higher owned, just given what we've seen teams do to that Jets secondary, completely inferior. And it's more frustrating when you see a team like Seattle rip off uh, 40 points in a 40 to three victory and Russell Wilson throws three touchdowns and gets pulled early. And you know that you had it right. You know that you were or four touchdowns. He threw, you knew that you had it right. Looking at the score. You just didn't get any of those players because who's playing Freddie Swain and David Moore. Yeah. The Seahawks were really frustrating. Cause like if the, the really the only thing, the only like question mark about Wilson was, are they going to score their points through the air? And then, so like, if, if you had said, if you told me before the slate that Russell Wilson's going to get, you know, four passing touchdowns, that kind of alleviates the only concern that I had. And then the fact that they just spread it around so much uh, was pretty frustrating. And even Chris Carson, you know, kind of had a mediocre game. I think he had like 18 or 19 DraftKings points. So pretty, uh, it was pretty disappointing to not really get any super useful um, DFS results for a team that, you know, scored 40 points in an obviously really, really good spot. So of the, the highest owned players, Like we said, Henry smashed just another 200 yard game. Been excellent. Uh, Adams was solid. Jones stunk. Montgomery once again uh, was integral in winning these line, winning these tournaments. McKissick had 10, you know, whatever. Keenan Allen had 20. You can live with that. Corey Davis stunk. Uh, Seahawks. We don't need to get into that. Prashad Perriman, not very good. That was interesting to me that Perriman was 17%. And the Jamison Crowder news came out. Didn't that come out after lock? It, it came out after the 1 p.m. lock. It That's what out. I mean. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I anticipated that because we saw the reports earlier in the week that Jamison Crowder um, could be active, but he would be used in an emergency capacity. But that wasn't the case either. So uh, Rashad Perriman, Aaron Rodgers was, was good. He had 30. Cowboys defense, 18. We saw them winning tournaments. But then when you look at the guys that had the highest fantasy point totals, Adam, Henry finished number one. He was also the highest owned, which I feel like you don't see that all that much. But Jonathan Taylor was second. Uh, Miles Sanders was 0.6% owned, had 32.6 fantasy points, and now has three runs of 70-plus yards on the year. Yeah, I was so I, I was kind of surprised he was that low. Well, not saying I thought he was like a great play. Like I didn't have any. Um, I just mean in that like he's a running back with explosive ability. I figured he'd right. like two or three percent or something. Um, with the Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. So that boomer bust. Not- totally boomer bust. Yeah. Um, ho- hopefully Jalen Hurts, you know, makes things a little bit better for him. Uh, that would be really nice for me and whatever uh, Millie Maker best balls I have advancing. I know I need that. Um, but yeah, it was, it's good to see, uh, you know, obviously the the upside for Sanders is, is still there. So you had Sanders coming in at 0.6% ownership. I wonder if he was in any tournament winning lineups or anything towards the top. 
Josh, I don't know if that's something you can pull up. I believe it is, but it'd be interesting to see if, if Sanders was up there. Another one, Tua Tagovailoa. I talked a lot about him and wanting to finally see something from him because I didn't feel great about him at all. Uh, I'm happy to be wrong about this. Adam, he was 1% with 31 fantasy points. Rogers, 31 at 16%. Kelsey was 13%. He was great again. Allen Robinson, 6%. Calvin Ridley, 7%. You had, though, look at this. You had seven players with 30-plus fantasy points. If you include Ridley at 29.4, you had eight. That was a lot of big games yesterday, but I guess the 13-game slate puts it into perspective. Yeah, a lot of big games, but also ownership going to several of them. I mean, you had Rodgers right. as the most popular quarterback. Kelsey is, uh, you know, I think one of the most popular tight ends. Um, Robinson was one that I thought was interesting. He He's someone that a lot of the 150 maxers I'm looking at came in over the field. Um, I, I thought it was kind of interesting that his ownership was as low as it was when you're talking about um, a receiver as good as Robinson going up against a Houston secondary that had basically nobody um, to defend him. So was was happy to see him come through with a big game. So, okay. Um that's interesting. Josh just gave me the numbers on Miles Sanders. The best Miles Sanders lineup was 13th. And I, I guess when you're less than a percent owned, it, it kind of makes sense because you have to get so much else right. And there's hardly any other people. 13th place. Let me pull this up because now he's telling me it's a full out dolphin stack. Now I just have to see this. Um, what's the name? Was it the E Moron 32? 54? Yeah. I swear that's his name. It was. Okay. Well, fitting. Okay. Is that, oh, yeah, that, that is a dolphin stack? What's that? That is a dolphin's stack. Oh my God. <laughs> With Dolphins defense <clears throat> against Kansas City. He had hold on a second. Yeah, I mean, I don't I don't know. Like maybe turn Devontae Parker or AJ Brown into Tyreek Hill and like win some money. He had no run back, but four Dolphins. and the <laughs> What a team. Wow. And he won, what did he profit? Like 7500 Almost $8,000. So good day, good day for them. Guys, this is why we do this show. You can start making lineups like that and cash. Much, much better day than I had. <laughs> That's, cr- he had Bowden at that. Five, th- what? I, like Bo- Bowden, I think was actually a reasonable play if you were like stacking Kansas City or stacking the Dolphins. I, I, yes. I wouldn't have stacked him with every other piece of the Dolphins, but what what I mean is he had Bowden sandwiched in between Parker and Mike Gusecki, right? Which is pretty remarkable. And Bowden ended up look if you fully stacked him, that's one thing. By the way, he finished in thirteenth with a zero from Devontae Parker. Yeah, he had, so, he he nailed the. I mean, he had Jonathan Taylor, he had Miles Sanders. Did Sammy Watkins do anything? He had seven. I was trying to see if so. How much was Devonte Parker? Sixty one hundred. He was sixty one hundred. So what would the what would the comparable pivots have been to Devonte Parker? Because my assumption here is that he fit. Okay, so he finished how far out of first place? He finished with two twelve. He was ten points out of first place with a zero. Yeah, I mean, the, the there was nobody on Kansas City in that price range, but like the first thing I thought would be go from AJ Brown to Tyree Kill and then drop Parker to like one of those 5K receivers. For sure. But I'm saying, okay, look at this. Like Parker, do, here you go. I, Ronald Jones, who was his flex? Was his flex a wide receiver? Jonathan Taylor. Okay, so never mind. Yeah, I was going to say Ronald him. Jones. What's that? I said, yeah, you can't change him. 
No, Ra- Ronald. Well, uh, no, I was going to say if it was a receiver, you put the receiver in the oh, right. yeah, yeah, Devontae yeah, yeah. slot, yeah. and then you put like a Ronald Jones in there. But um, Robbie Anderson, $100 more expensive, 17.7 fans. Oh, there it is. Did he have $100? Yeah, he had 200 <laughs> So he would have won a million. Uh, look, obviously, we're just having fun here. Hindsight's twenty twenty. But the reason Adam might even bring something like this up is because he could have swapped off Adams, like you were saying, and still had a full-out Dolphins stack. What the hell? The Dolphins were 2,800. He could have just rostered Washington instead. Yeah, that's another one. No, he apparently thought that the Dolphins were going to route Kansas City. Like, but if yeah. that's the case, why wouldn't he run the run? Like, why wouldn't he? I don't, I don't know. I assume the Dolphins were like 2K, and that's why they were in there. But they were more expensive than the Cowboys. They were the same price as Washington. That's so crazy. And then just somehow ended up with Miles Sanders as well. Yeah, he, he picked very, very good plays yeah. outside of Devontae Parker. Look how much blue there is on the screen. Is that, that can't be right. <laughs> it's a 13-game slate, Adam. It's a 13-game slate, and five of his nine spots were Dolphins, and he finished 13th in a million maker. Do you realize how absurd that is? Yes, yes, I do. It kind of pisses me off. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Wow. I, I, I can't get past that. It's one of the craziest things I've ever seen, but – we see it all the time. Like Laz gets fit last year, was running two pass catchers against his defense and had a quarter million dollar day. This Dolphin stack is so ridiculous that we haven't even touched on. It's another Derrick Henry, AJ Brown pairing. Yeah, there you go. Another one. But the fact that he got a zero from Devontae Parker. Now, granted, when did Devontae Parker go out? I don't remember. I think it was fairly early. Like, I think it was before Miami started piling up points. Right, so we'd have to obviously go back and look, and like if Bowden and Gasicki started uh, racking up targets like after I, Devontae Parker went down, then of course there's a connection there. But. Right, I, I do know that he there was one pass in the end zone that kind of went through. It was a tough catch, but it went through Parker's hands. Um, I, I randomly, I don't like, I randomly had some really good stacks that had Devontae Parker, like not even of that game. So I was kind of paying attention to him. Um, so I know he did have at least one touchdown opportunity. Eric says Sanders broke the Saints uh, no 100-yard rusher streak, didn't he? I think that streak was – wasn't it like 80 games or something? It was something insane. But here's the crazy thing. Yeah, they'd gone – I think – you guys can look it up in chat if you don't mind and tell me if you can find it because it's an insane streak that they didn't allow a 100-yard rusher. The Eagles had 200-yard rushers yesterday, which is – Oh, yeah, hurts, right. Pretty crazy for such a bad team. Um, yeah, let me, how many, if you guys find that out, how many games? I feel like it was a lot of games that they went without allowing a rusher. And Josh, while I read this ridiculous $1 promo, I don't even know how we do this. And I'm not like, <laughs> that's not a sales pitch. I'm dead serious. We're giving away everything for NBA all the way through the 29th of December for $1. Josh, if you want to pull up the worst lineups, that segment we started last week, we can close the show with that. We got a lot of positive feedback. Everyone's saying that they wanted to see that again. And I thought that was pretty fun. We kind of just did it with the 13th. I was just going to say, (laughs) I was just going to say the same thing. You got to me first, but, uh, or you got to it first guys for a dollar. If you use the promo code Caruso, I know we can never make the promo codes easy. Can we Josh, we can never make the promo codes easy. You know, Adam, we never make them easy. The, the best part was doing the uh, NBA show with Greg yesterday. He does this read like before the Lakers game. And then he's like, all right, the only Lakers news we have is Alex Caruso not playing. 
<laughs> Alex Baker, number one ranked DFS player. You know him as Awesomeo, uh, co-founder of Awesomeo.com. The, everyone says that he looks like like Caruso from the Lakers. Uh, so that's why we're using the promo code. But for those of you that don't know that, you're like, why are we using Caruso? It doesn't matter. It's C-A-R-U-S-O. Gets you uh, everything, all access to NBA for a dollar. That's all of the preseason content. But here's the best part. That would be good enough, right? Like everything for a dollar, you get to check it out. But we're also including the first week, the entire first week of the regular season in there. So projections, ownership, top uh, or a boom bust tool, all the premium articles that these guys spend a ton of time on, the lineup builder, everything else, like all of our tools, everything included. So if you were to do it today, go to awesome.com slash join for a dollar, use the promo code Caruso, you get everything for the preseason, but that doesn't even end once the season starts. You get the full first week, all of our product, all of our NBA, all access for that single dollar that you spent today using the promo code Caruso at checkout. How's NBA preseason going? I know you're doing a bunch of shows and putting in the work on that. Yeah, it's, it's going well. Um, I mean, not for me personally, financially, but the, the work is going well. Um, it's actually, I think, been a little bit cleaner and smoother this year than than normal we've gotten teams actually being upfront about what they plan on doing which has been you know at least nice from a uh, a work standpoint awesome um so let's do this josh are we ready to look at the 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 worst lineups yeah we got it all right i'm very excited about this it's up on the screen uh back by popular demand Adam, the, is this the Millie maker last place in the Millie? Yeah, it's uh, third from the bottom. Uh, there was one lineup that was clearly like a placeholder that just walked okay. itself into some points. Probably, But you think defense. this is a real lineup here? And then there was one before that that had a bunch of zeros. Cooks, Julio Jones. So this is the only one that like very clearly had a roster of legitimate players. So this guy so finished... Which, which one is it? I'm trying to find it. Uh, he finished- Chris Guerra. Okay, so the non-stack Daniel Jones? Yes. Correct. He okay. finished in 2005, 205,650th place. Um, Josh, pull that down a little bit so we can see the whole thing on the screen. There you go. Yeah. Uh, Daniel Jones, we're a bit delayed over here. Daniel Jones, 0.8%, four fantasy points. Aaron Jones, 24%, nine fantasy points. Ezekiel Elliott, 5% on, 7.9. Debo Samuel, 1%. 0.9. Now, to be fair, Debo Samuel did get hurt, right? I believe he got hurt. Yep. Um, Daniel like first, Jones. First possession, I think. Yeah, Daniel Jones. But still, I mean, this lineup is uh, – Terry McLaurin, the, the biggest issue I have here is, is the Travis Fulgham. Like, he clearly – Doug Peterson clearly doesn't want to use him anymore. Yeah. Um, and it's a shame, but it's the case. He's using Alshon Jeffrey, ancient dinosaur. Hayden Hurst, Corey Davis, Panthers D. So you look at this lineup, Adam – what would you grade it before the slate started? Okay, so one through ten, one is the worst you could give a lineup. Ten is the best, assuming everyone's healthy, and you're going into a millie maker. What would you grade that lineup? Like a one. There, so there, there's no core. The only I think objectively bad play was Fulham. Um, everyone else was defensible. But the construction is equally as concerning right as a Fogan play when you're talking about correlation right exactly like so there was there was the you know the dead spot in Fulgham there's pretty questionable plays in some other spots but guys you could at least make make the case for but then you know essentially no correlation you don't have 
Daniel Jones with anybody. Daniel Jones doesn't run enough for, for that to work. Like, why wouldn't you just use Jalen Hurts um, if you're going with, like, the cheap quarterback naked stack? I mean, he at least would have had the Fulgham pairing, I guess. Um, so, yeah, I mean, the, the correlation is not there. The only correlation that shows up at all is Debo and McLaurin, That's which what is, I was thinking you know, too. kind of it, – it's fine, but it's not, like, any anything you're getting excited about. Um, yeah, it's it's, like, individually, I think the plays were sort of guys that – weren't priorities for me but that you know certainly filtered their ways and their way into some lineups for the most part um but no like great plays you know none of the main guys on the slate and no correlation and travis Fogel. do we have anything else josh any other lineups that are just egregious that we can end the show with because this is always pretty fun um another julio zero is not going to get us there and not, uh, Kevin, yes, Carr was in the winning Millie Maker lineup again, along with David Montgomery, along with no quarterback with running back and wide receiver from the same team. The winner, for those of you guys tuning in late, had wide receiver running back from the same team twice. Sorry, go ahead, Josh. Yeah, there's one EJ Sooners, 42.4 fantasy points, a, uh, <laughs> a Jags, Jags onslaught. onslaught. <laughs> oh god pick pull this up <laughs> it's on we're, it's on the screen now ej sooners 42.4 fantasy points um no not, run back. not ideal <laughs> no run back no yeah so i mean two general rules i think um one don't run mike glennon on slots ever and two <laughs> if you are gonna massively stack a team like use somebody from the other team maybe <laughs> right if you're using four from this all right so adam let's do it again and i you know in chat by the way be objective grade this lineup with us what would you give this lineup on a one to ten is there anything that that is done right here adam and you have to do it in increments if there's something done right and you say all right then you have to give it at least a one and a half or a two is there anything here that you can say is is redeeming in quality about this lineup so I think this lineup's better than the one we did before because it doesn't have any Travis Fulgham type guys that were just not <laughs> and wild <going>. correlation, <laughs> right? And, and you, this isn't a great correlation in that it's it's a little overdone, but you at least have a bunch of guys that are playing on a team that you know is in a game with a fifty-two total. So uh, that that would make it, I guess, like a two or, or a three at least. Like you have that going. Would have gotten more points if you had used like AJ Brown or Derrick Henry or Corey Davis on, on the other side. Um, but you know, it, it is a step up, I think from the Daniel Jones lineup. So, but I would say this too, when you're looking at, at, at a lineup like this, we had a question from Sean McCarthy that says, why do you need a run back? Just curious. So like genuine, genuinely inquisitive question. And that's good. That's what this show is for. You don't Adam always need one. Like we've seen things take it down, especially in smaller field tournaments, but when it comes to something like this, the general idea, and you can expand upon this, is when you're stacking a team, especially with that many players, the assumption is that they're going to put up a ton of points. And if they're going to put up a ton of points, the opposing team is going to need to try and do something to keep pace and not get blown out, which generally results in them throwing the football. That's why we talk about the correlation with the run back. Yeah, it's not, the, it's not, it's not so much that you need it. It's just when you think about – like basically a DFS lineup is like trying to hit nine legs of a parlay basically. Right. And using, using positive correlation makes it so that if 
legs one through three of your parlay hit, it's more likely that leg four does as well. So it just makes it a little bit easier, a little bit more likely for all of those plays to come together um, at the same time and you'll kind of increase your chances. It's not a big enough deal that like, if you never use a run back, you're, you're, you can't like have a winning lineup. It's just, you're, you're slightly making your path to winning a little bit more likely. And for the reason you said, you know, especially in a team this heavily correlated, like you have the Jags quarterback, tight end, number one wide receiver and running back. So for all of those guys to do well, the Jags have to throw up a ton of points for the Jags to throw up a ton of points. The most likely way that happens is Tennessee is scoring every time they get the ball as well, in which case you want some of those main Tennessee guys. Like, sure, you could just have a quick two touchdowns to Tyler Eifert, a quick bomb to DJ Chark, and then James Robinson runs the rest of the game, and it gets there that way. That way is a lot less likely than just saying, okay, the final score of this game is 45 to 40, and everyone in the game does well. Absolutely. Yeah, it's a solid breakdown. And a lot of people in chat saying, Runbacks are the most unnecessary thing and overused thing in, in DFS. I, I guess it depends what you're playing because you're going to see many, many weeks where the runback works and you're going to see weeks where it doesn't work and where it isn't necessary. Um, and I think we've done our best to break down and be pretty objective about all of that through 14 weeks. But Adam, I would say when it's a, when it's a Jag stack, of course I want to run it back with somebody because the offense in in Tennessee is so concentrated between only a few players that why would you not want to try and get a piece of that in the under the assumption that this game either shoots out or that Tennessee is playing from behind like you don't need to to throw darts and try and guess about like a Tampa Bay run back or or go with a terrible Jets team and just hope that one of those guys at 3500 can get you to 10 fantasy points this is a team that has explosive upside with three different players so I do think it's 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 all, all it's all relative to what game you're playing and it's specific to each team. But with this one, I would think with the Titans, you would have wanted something. Yeah, there's definitely teams where it's like, yeah, they can score a bunch of points and no one guy does well, or they're just not going to score points like the Jets, but they give up points so quickly it doesn't matter. But the Titans aren't, you know, one of those teams. And kind of, you know, to the to the point of the runbacks, I kind of I think one of the easier ways to think about it is like going into the game, let's say you have Corey Davis and uh I don't know. Um Corey Davis and like Curtis Samuel at the same price point with the same projection, just as an example. If you're assuming your lineup does well, meaning the Jags score a lot of points in games where the Jags score a lot of points, Corey Davis's medium projection would go up while you still don't know anything about the Curtis Samuel game. So that's why you would prefer them is, is if you assume your lineup does well, then the projection of the guys on the other team would actually be higher. So um, it, it does, it, you know, it's, it's just a small way to increase the chances of success for your lineup and it's just something where you want to consistently put yourself in a the, the best position you can to have success and so it's a small thing but if you're doing it consistently it generally it, it will work out um over time you're, or you would expect it to because the math behind it supports it okay and then last thing here josh let's go to uh I- i'm always intrigued by the uh by the millimaker the what do we have the 500 dollar entry millimaker right 5,000 entries. Yeah. I'm always, I'm always intrigued by this one. Let's check that out uh, real quick. And by the way, guys, hit the thumbs up if you haven't done so yet and uh, help us get the 50 K subscribers. If you like what we do here uh, and you appreciate the free content, uh, the more subs and, and, and interaction and comments and thumbs up and all that stuff that we have, the, the more YouTube treats us better and you know, we can keep doing free content. 
production value increases. We get great hosts in here and, and all of that good stuff. So we appreciate all your support in this holiday season, right? All right. Uh, I've got the, the worst was... lineup. I've got the worst lineup. Okay. Mine? Now it would be a friend of the program, Rinpack. Uh, I'll say, actually, I'll say I bubbled. I knew it wasn't mine. Rinpack in what, the what? Uh Brady, Brian Hill, DeAndre Washington, Godwin, Justin Jefferson, Chark, Gronk, McLaurin, Saints. Okay. You have it pulled up. Let me see. He's like ranked top 20 now. Uh, he's been, he's been doing really well. Hauling ass dude. Uh, let's see. Okay. Brady Godwin Gronk. Uh, the Brian Hill one is strange. Deandre Washington, Justin Jefferson, DJ shark, Terry McLaurin. I don't know what to make about Brian Hill here. Did he like misclick? Was it? A, I mean, I'm sure he didn't make it by hand. I don't. I don't know what was happening there. I'm just curious because, like I just said, he's a really good player. Yeah, I, I'm sure he had a reason. I just have no guess at what that reason was. Because I saw that Gurley was supposed to get the majority of work in that game. Yeah. I don't know. And you look at the rest of the lineup, and you could make sense of of it. Yeah, I don't know. I, I'd be interested to know what the reason was because I'm sure he had one. What is um. What is the the winner here? And we'll get out of here with this. Winning line. I don't even know how to pronounce that name. It's just some gibberish. What's a million dollars worth of gibberish? <laughs> D. Nedzelski. Sky ski. I don't know. He had. That is he, a good lineup. Yeah. Very good lineup. And of course, this one was. 14 points lower than the Millie Maker winner and the other one, but that's to be expected. Rodgers, Jonathan Taylor, Mike Davis, Devontae Adams, KJ Hamler, Michael Gallup, Travis Kelsey, Robert Tunyon, double tight end, Cowboys defense. What do you think about that, Adam? No run back kind of interesting, but... Um, Much smaller field, though, too. Yeah, yeah, smaller field, and the Lions, you know, they, they do have a lot of different routes kind of to score. See, that's yeah. a team I wouldn't really feel any obligation to run it back with. The Detroit Lions would be a perfect example. Right, and, and like I did, like I used a lot of Hawkinson, a lot of Marvin Jones, but I don't think it was, like, completely necessary. Um, yeah, I, I think it's a, a good lineup. K.J. Hamler was someone that I actually had a decent amount of, too. Um, not that you felt super confident, but um, correlates with Mike Davis in this lineup. It was a good matchup against the Panthers. Uh, the only like weird correlation in the lineup is the Gallup and Cowboys defense, but they're both so cheap. Who really cares? Um, you know, you certainly could have made the case for using like a different 3,800 range guy than Gallup, but not a big deal there. Um, Kelsey gives you the top tight end uh, option. Rogers was obviously a, a really good play. Um, Jonathan Taylor has been getting more carries, had a good matchup. Like all that stuff looks good. Yeah. I think, I think it's a good lineup. There's nothing like really crazy about it. I don't think. And he only paid up for one player. That was Devontae Adams, not including Aaron Rodgers. And Kelsey. Oh, I'm sorry. Yep, you're right. Obviously paid up for Kelsey, which which went Robert Tunyon, discount, Gallup, cheap. Uh, he went with KJ Hamler, minimum salary. Michael Gallup, 3,800. Robert Tunyon, 42. Cowboys, 2,400. And it allowed him to get in Devontae Adams and Kelsey and Taylor, who was also pretty cheap, and Mike Davis. All right. And he had 200 remaining. Oh, Jason says Laz gets fit, came in sixth. Josh, we got to do that before we, we got to see Laz gets fit. Again, this is the guy, friend of the program, great guy. Uh, and we're still going to try and bring him on to the show at some point. 
where he won a lot of money last year running back, running two players against his defense, like crazy roster construction that just so happened to uh, to work. So Gio, Gio Bernardo. Okay, so here we go. Let's get Bengals defense. All right, go ahead, Adam. What do you see here? Uh, the best Gio Bernard lineup in, in this tournament, so that that oh, hurts. Um, but yeah, paired Gio with the Bengals defense, which you know I think makes sense. Um, that's you know a, a, pair, a positively correlated pairing. Had Brandon Ayuk, which came through. Um, what was the stack? Carr with Nelson Aguilar and Darren Waller. So went with the full Raiders stack. Ran it back with Ty Hilton. That looks oh, and Jonathan Taylor. So we got a full like Raiders game stack, which. You know, I, I think that's perfectly fine. Looks wow, that's good. a big stack, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, Hilton and Taylor, I mean, both very reasonable plays. Uh, got the two primary pass catchers from the Raiders. Bernard pivot off of the really popular guys. Let's pay up for Derrick Henry, which looks good. Uh, yeah, it's a good lineup. Yeah, that's, I have no problem. I mean, that's a monster stack for a, for a slate like this, but uh, you know, I've heard a lot of people say too, in the smaller fields, if you do have full out game stacks like this, where you don't need to get everything right, mm-hmm. sometimes it, it, it makes more sense, but yeah, Hilton went popped off Jonathan Taylor. So he went with a game stack, but not just a full game stack, Adam, he didn't run back two wide receivers. He ran back a wide receiver and a running back in that game. And you know, I actually just- like that construction kind of, because I, I think like intuitively the first thing people normally do if they're full game stacking like that is use two receivers. Yeah. But the position that puts you in is that then you're competing with all of the, like if that whole thing hits, you're competing with not only the car lineups, but you're competing with the Phillip rivers lineups. Whereas going one running back and one wide receiver from the opposing team. Um, it, like if that running back goes off, it's less likely that the quarterback's going off. Yep. Yeah, that's you're absolutely right. And he look, he does some wild stuff, and he even admits it. He goes, hey, "I know what I do is not um, does not make a lot of sense to a lot of people." But apparently, I, I think he said like he had learned it from someone else. He didn't tell me who it was, but um, he's won a lot of money. So, more yeah, power to you. Really good lineup. Yeah, more power to you. And this is a good lineup for sure. Uh, it's just a shame that that happened with Geo because. Even a decent game with Geo, if he starts and if he gets those opportunities throughout the game, you know you're getting like 15 from him. And, you know, he's looking at an even better lineup. But that'll do it for us, guys. Thanks for hanging out with this with us for this hour. Hit that thumbs up and subscribe. And, of course, stick around later today. Uh, we just got shows all the time. And I'm assuming Adam – let me check here, but you could probably tell me. So Monday, it's the 14th. We have – the live before lock NBA show at five o'clock, but it doesn't, you're not on that. Right. But you will be back with Josh for live before live before lock for tonight's uh, showdown between the uh, Ravens and the Browns. Yeah. uh, No basketball show for me today, but we do have a basketball show and then I'll be back with Josh for the Monday night game. It's an hour and a half show leading you up to lock. Uh, and Matt Kajeski, myself, and Alex Brown, you know him as AB, former defensive end for the uh, Chicago Bears. Great guy, really fun to do shows with, really knowledgeable, and it's great to have a former player on to really break it down differently than we can. Also we looks re- nothing like Terrell Suggs. Nothing like I, mean, <laughs> I know you loved that video. It was, <laughs> I was dying. <laughs> <laughs> it was such an insulting video. And then he sent me something that was a, it was a gift. It said, like, 
me before the vaccine and it was Adrian Peterson and then me after the vaccine and it was Terrell Suggs with his mouth open and the teeth coming down with the gums all protruded. <laughs> you seen that? Have you seen that meme going around? Yeah, yeah. It's, I said GIF. Yeah, yeah. it's a or GIF, whatever. It's a good meme. But uh, anyway, appreciate you guys. And uh, yeah, check that out. We just did it. It's the Showdown Strategy Show. And while Josh isn't on the show, I'm assuming his short videos are out. I mentioned them earlier. They're really good stuff. Breaking down the simulations, the probabilities, and all of that good stuff. So we have so much for tonight and all of the other slates, preseason basketball as well. So thanks, guys. We'll see you back here soon next time on the Monday Morning Quarterback Show.